Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And as promised, we're here for our third show of the week. For Wednesday's show, we previewed the Illinois game, so make sure to go check that out. On Monday, we previewed and uh, recapped the depth chart for the upcoming opener. And today, we're going to focus uh, on the Big Ten Conference as a whole, do our predictions uh, before the season starts. We'll do some uh, picks for this weekend's game. Um, and then at the end of the inter, or the end of our segment, we'll get into our interview. We've got, uh, pick six previews on to talk about the Big Ten a little bit. If you guys aren't familiar with his work, um, does a magazine every year. It's very informative. Probably if you're just a college football fan or, uh, a sports bet or anything like that, just looking for inside information on, uh, college football, uh, that's a great resource. So make sure to check that out if you, uh, like the interview, I believe uh, the, the the newsletter and, and magazine is like eighteen bucks, um, something like that. But it's it's well worth it if you're looking for uh, some some insider info across college football. So he's going to come on to talk about the Big Ten a little bit, give his expectations, and, and talk a little bit. We're going to ask him a little bit about the uh, the magazine and everything like that. Um, I, I think you guys will really enjoy that for the third episode. So Matt, how are you doing today? Doing stellar, ready to uh, talk a little bit of the Big Ten here. I think that'll be a good way to segue people right into the game on Friday night. All right, well, we'll hop right into it. We'll we'll get into our Big Ten predictions. And before we get into kind of the predictions, what are maybe your your thoughts on, on the conference as a whole? Uh, one thing that jumped out to me is just the lack of returning running backs that are, you know, kind of the bell cows for teams. You look across the Big Ten, you're used to seeing guys that uh, are consistent starters, guys that you you know their names and you're really um, turn on the TV to watch. You, you, you think of Jonathan Taylor, you think of J.K. Dobbins, um, even Anthony, a guy like Anthony McFarland at, at Maryland that you knew it was, they were going to pop a thousand. And that's not something that's the case this year. So I would think the one thing that I look at for this conference is I'm expecting that there's going to be a little bit more throwing of the football. I think there's a, a decent amount of quarterback play in the conference, and then you throw together the fact that a lot of Big Ten teams have really good uh, rosters of wide receivers and tight ends, and I think that that's the thing that jumped out to me is that I think there's going to be more passing across the Big Ten this year than maybe what people are used to that could go for better or worse, but either way, that's something that jumped out to me. Uh, what jumps it to you about the, the Big Ten this year? Yeah, I, I remember uh, you talking about that in your roundtable uh, over on uh, Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com today, and I was reading up about that, and I thought it was a, a great point. I think for me, it's it's kind of the – there's a lot of teams, I think right now you look at it, and I think more so than most years, there's Ohio State, who I think is your clear-cut favorite for the conference. But after that, I, I think it's really up in the air. There's a lot of teams that are good, I think, but I don't know if there's a, a team that can maybe contend with them. So how the really the entire West Division, it, it's kind of been like that for years. We're coming into it. Uh, you know, Any team could win it, and, and Wisconsin usually ends up at the top. But uh, I think more so you're, you're seeing that in the East Division as well, where you've got teams like Maryland and Rutgers, and, and I think Michigan State is not going to be very strong this year. So you've got some bottom feeders. But after that, you know, Penn State, Indiana, uh, Michigan, all teams that are good and have the players where they could be really good, where they could be really bad. And you see that a little bit, um, you know, not really bad. I don't think Penn State and, and Michigan are going to be horrible, you know, Rutgers. But there's teams that you could see definitely falling below expectations, I think, more so than most. So. Uh, I, I think it'll be a fun conference to watch, and uh, the disparity between the teams is, I think, is going to be pretty even. It's going to be a, a cutthroat conference, a lot like we saw kind of the Big Ten basketball last year. It was evenly matched teams all over the place, and uh, you know any team can can come home with a win on on Saturday afternoons. 
I think I think COVID really shifts that too, and it makes it even more unpredictable because teams haven't had the traditional spring football, they haven't had a traditional off season. That continuity is going to be really important. Um, just basically not having a lot of shifting going on in your off season plans and kind of a togetherness with that. But I agree with you. I think you look at the Big Ten races, and especially the West, it's wide open. Um, I still think the Badgers will end up getting there, and I know we'll talk about that. But but at the same time, you look behind the Badgers and along with the Badgers in the West, and there is you look at it pre-COVID, you could have had seven teams that could have gone to a bowl. Um, a lot of teams kind of in that, that mix to go kind of – anywhere between seven and five and five and seven and, and give themselves a chance for a bowl. When you look at Nebraska, Purdue, Northwestern, who I think will be a little bit better and Illinois. So I think it's going to be a, a real grinder for teams this year in the big 10, especially when you don't have the ability to play those cupcake games to get prepared for uh, the season. All right, we'll get into uh, the teams a little bit and the predictions here now with, with what, now that we've laid out, you know, that it's kind of wide open here. And well, we'll start with maybe some players. We'll do our, maybe an up and coming player and our, maybe we'll, we'll get into our conference players of the year. If you guys haven't looked at it, we did do some predictions like that on Bucky's Fifth Quarter in our round table. So maybe you've already seen our answers for some of this stuff, but, um, an off the radar question, who's maybe, a up and coming player that you think, you know, Maybe you know a little bit about or are familiar with, but you know this year you'll be talking about them as as maybe a a superstar in the Big Ten for years to come. I think at the very top of the list to me at least is Zach Harrison of Ohio State. He's an absolute freak. He was a true freshman last year and he played um, and, and was able to get on the field quite a bit. You look at him; he was a top five recruit in the entire country. Um, out of out of Ohio, stayed it was uh, stayed with Ohio State, but six. He is an absolute freak, and he reminds me a lot of Chase Young. I think he's going to be a guy who will play a lot this year, um, and I think he's going to make his presence felt. I think he's the next good um, or great, you could say, defensive end that comes out of Ohio State, and just the way Washington kind of pumps out. Those defensive linemen, it's, it's no wonder why they are um, projected to win the Big Ten year in and year out. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I was wondering where you were going to go with this one because it's, it's, it's not necessarily, if, unless you really read up in the Big Ten, some of these names you, you just might not know yet. So um, I was wondering where you were going to head with that. And I was actually looking through and uh, I, I came up with, I have a buddy that went to Purdue and I said, hey, who's, Who's the guy that, that really jumps out to you? Because he's, he's a very knowledgeable guy in the Big Ten overall. And he said, look here, right at Purdue, Malik Carr, um, the wide receiver coming in to kind of, you know, Jeff Brom at, at Purdue has been doing a great job of recruiting. You know, you look at Rondale Moore, uh, you look at some of the other guys that they have in that passing game, it's, it's pretty solid. He continues to, to kind of do that. You know, he's got David Bell, he's got Moore, but he's got a guy named Malik Carr, uh, 6'5", early enrollee at Purdue, um, that I don't know if he'll necessarily be the, the top target for the Boilermakers, but he's just a third weapon there, kind of a vertical threat um, that, that could be a big name for them in the future. So there's a lot of young talent overall, though, in this conference. I mean, you look across, you know, everyone, um, you know, the, the recruiting games have up. You know, we've talked about it time and time again here at Wisconsin, how well they've done at recruiting um, these last few years. That's not just for Wisconsin. There's a lot of teams that are recruiting at a high level. Penn State is firing on all cylinders, trying to keep pace with Ohio State. Michigan's recruiting really well at the key positions, um, and the other schools around them are, are starting to up their game. Similar, you know, Wisconsin has had a big jump in, in landing some of these guys more consistently, but there's been a lot of other programs that have taken uh, jumps as well. So it's going to be an interesting conference, not just this year, but for years to come with, with some of the talent that's uh, up and coming in this conference. Yeah, for sure, and, and I think that's a good call too. I like Moe Carr. I think he's going to be really good. I just think it's going to be tough because there's only so many targets that can go around in that Purdue offense when you look at David Bell and Rondell Moore returning. So I think he's a guy that it'll be fun to see if they end up using him similar to Penn State with uh, Fryermuth in that he's a tall kid that could play tight end or um, be split out. Um, another guy is uh, Graham Mertz. I'm going to move at that. 
I like that pick a lot as well. Of course, you you guys know uh, how big of fans we are of that. So uh, a nice young up and coming player. You can't not talk about the Wisconsin quarterback. So uh, maybe more prevalent names here as we work into our next prediction. Who do you have for your offensive and defensive uh, players of the year? I think the offensive one might be a, a pretty easy one, but defensively, I think it's a, there's a certainly a good debate there. Uh, to be had with some names, but uh, I have a feeling since I've read through our roundtable, we might uh, kind of have the same answers. Yeah, I mean, if if somebody has anybody but uh, Justin Fields on offense, I I, just, I don't know what the smoke can because he is going to be the uh, offensive player of the year, barring injury. He is he is the best player potentially in the entire conference on the best team in the entire conference potentially. So I don't see anybody knocking him off that throne. Who did you have for offense? I had uh, Justin Fields as well. Yeah, I just I just don't think that there's really any other name that you could throw out there and and that I at least that I'm not gonna be looking at and kinda squinting at you. Um on defense, I think that's that's way more up in the air. There's a lot of really talented that I think could could grab that. I, I I love Patty Fisher for Northwestern. Um as much as you can love a Northwestern player, he seems like he's been there forever. Um, I put Sanborn in ours just because I do think because Chris Orr is gone and you look at the amount of tackles that Zach Bond had at outside linebacker too, there's a lot of tackles that go along there. Those are two of your top three tacklers, Jack Sanborn being your number one guy. Um, and I and I really think that Sanborn's going to have an amazing year. I think he is the, the best player on that entire defense uh, for right now. I think Keanu Benton could be the best later on. But I think because of that, I pick Sanborn. Another guy, though, is um, Carl Aftis of Purdue. I know we're giving a lot of Purdue love here, but um, they have really talented players in pockets and really crummy talent in other areas where they're a little weaker. So I think um, Carl Aftis is another guy that could easily do it. I just don't know if you can you can give an award to a porous Purdue defense um, and give him an award for uh, as the best defensive player. And I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Harrison ends up getting that either if he goes bananas. Yeah, there's there's a lot of guys. You know, Aiden Hutchinson of, of Michigan could be a guy that's up there. I, I like that you said George Coloptis. I know, like you said, we're we're giving a lot of uh, run to Purdue here. Um, you know, Sean Wade of Ohio State. You've got you've got maybe even uh, Eric Burrell if he balls out, and, and Jack Sanborn, of course, is, is who I vote. Really. And when a guy like Micah Parsons opts out, where all of a sudden you're like, okay, the 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 clear favorite on offense is playing, the clear favorite on defense isn't, and there's a lot of names that you could kind of kick around um, that could have big years. So I'm interested to see how it shakes out on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, anyone that could knock off uh, Justin Fields would be impressive. But right now I think you have to definitely uh, have him as your, your heavy favorite in the conference and, and possibly even, you know, uh, a Heisman candidate, so it's going to be hard to beat him out for, for anyone, at least from what we're seeing right now. And, and who knows, maybe a guy like Rondale Moore uh, will just go off and go crazy, or Rashad Bateman will continue to be dominating. But it, these offensive awards are pretty much always quarterback awards, so it's going to be hard to knock off a guy that is, is going to be up there for the Heisman Trophy uh, come years on. Yeah, and, and I think another – there's a couple of guys on Michigan that could easily do it when you look at Quiddy Pay and, uh, you know, you've got a guy like Dax Hill or Cam McGrone. All three of those guys have the talent to be the defensive player of the year um, in the conference, but it's a matter of I'm not totally sold yet on what Michigan's going to be. There's a lot of questions. All right. That gives you kind of the, the players here. So kind of uh, working off that, we'll go into our teams a little bit. Um, who, before we get into that, we'll of course do the division winners and, and everything like that, but who's maybe a team that you think will be the uh, surprise team, and, and if you have one going off of that, maybe the, the disappointing team for the Big Ten? Um, I'll go surprise team, and I can't remember what I put in my roundtable exactly, um, but I, I think for me the surprise team would probably be Northwestern. I think they're returning a, a whole heap of what they had last year, I know that uh, what they had last year was was pretty bad, which is why they went um, three and nine and one and eight overall in the Big Ten here. But I do think that they're going to come back to what they what we're used to seeing out of a, a Pat Fitzgerald team. I, I think they have the talent. They also have the quarterback now. Their offense was absolutely garbage last year, one of the worst offenses in um, the history of college football, really. 
Um, but Peyton Ramsey is is legit. Ended up transferring from Indiana, and he was one of the top uh, uh, top quarterbacks in the conference last year, and and ended up switching. I think Indiana is going to be another team that could easily surprise. But I'm going to go with with uh, Northwestern because I, I do think that they have some room to to wiggle around in their schedule and also be able to kind of pop over a team like Nebraska or Purdue, Illinois. There's a lot of wiggle room in there. Yeah, I like that uh, pick. I think there's a lot of people that are kind of trying to figure out, you know, where Northwestern might be come year's end. Uh, so I, I think with the pieces that they have and, and Pat Fitzgerald, you know, if he's got a defense. He's got some guys there. If they can find any sort of offense, uh, you know, last year their offense was historically bad uh, in terms of, of power five teams, not just for the season, but uh, for, for many years before that. It was the numbers were staggering. So they can find any sort of pulse on offense. You could see them being a team that is in a lot more games, so uh, I like that pick. I, I think for me, um, the the team that I kind of think will be a surprise team is, is that team you mentioned a little bit uh, in Indiana. I really like uh, what they have back. Um, I, I think they could be a team that knocks off one of the other two. You know, you look at the Big Ten East; it's it's Ohio State is your clear favorite. You've got Michigan and Penn State who expect to contend, and then you've got uh, you know, Maryland and Rutgers, who are usually at the bottom. And then you've got teams like Michigan State and Indiana, who, if they have a good team and they have the right pieces, can maybe knock off one of those guys. I think this is the year where Indiana could maybe do that. Uh, I think they could easily knock off a team like Michigan. I'm interested to see what they do in their opener against Penn State. I don't know if they'll pull off the upset, but I'm not super high on Penn State either. So, I could definitely see Indiana, um, you know, knocking them off. So if there's a team that I'm high on, uh, I would say it's it's for sure the Hoosiers. And team that I'm low on, it's going to be one of those other Big Ten East teams, Penn State or Michigan, because I just I know that they're a blue blood program and they've got some good pieces, but they they don't look like a team that, I, in my eyes, is, is that much better than um, the rest of the the division and the rest of the conference. Yeah, I, w- I would go with Michigan as the team that I think is is going to potentially let let their fan base down a little bit. You look at they're starting out the gates at Minnesota. They later on have to go to Indiana. Um, they have to obviously play Ohio State and Penn State. So I think you look at their crossover games of Minnesota and Wisconsin, as well as having to go to um, Minnesota and uh, Indiana. It's just it's not great for them in terms of their schedule. And I, I just think you're having a new quarterback and a lot of changes there, so I'm not sold on Michigan this year. Yeah, I could definitely see that with, with everything they've got going on, and we know Jim Harbaugh sometimes falls a little bit below expectations of a program, and uh, you know they're, I'm sure, wanting to exceed those, but we, we all know how that kind of goes uh, you know, from where it starts in the season to where it ends. So, all right, we'll get into our division winners then. Uh, who do you have? I think we, we know the answer to this one, so the East should be pretty quick, but maybe you've got an upset pick. So who do you have as your Big Ten East champion? I've got Ohio State taking that. I, I don't see uh, Penn State toppling them. I think Ohio State just has way too much talent when you compare it to the rest of the conference. Um, teams are closing the gap, but at the same time, um, most teams are closing the gap within one another and not necessarily within Ohio State because Ohio State is just recruiting at a completely different clip. Yeah, they're they're up there with one of the, with the big boys of, of Alabama and Clemson, so I am I'm not standing and picking against that train uh, with the Buckeyes. So uh, I think we're both wholeheartedly in on the East winner being Ohio State. The West maybe a little bit more contentious, but. Uh, who do you have in the uh, in the great division that is the West? I've got the Badgers. I think they're they're the the front runner in my eyes. I didn't know um, if if it'll happen, but I think there is so much up up in the air that I'm going to lean on the Badgers here because they have been the trusty team here in the conference to rely upon, and not to mention we are a Badger dedicated podcast. Yeah, it'd be hard to not pick them, and I have to agree with you. I, I keep going back to. Um, the graphic that I saw from Fox where Ohio State and, and uh, Wisconsin were like 55-7 and seven or 52-10 and, and 10 against the opponents that they've taken on over the last five years. So until I see otherwise, um, I, I don't know if this, this uh, conference is as balanced at the end of the day 
as, as some people make it out to be where anyone could win it. I think uh, right now you're, you're seeing a dominating run from all, from Wisconsin in the West, and you're just seeing an even more dominant run from Ohio State in the East. So uh, until I see otherwise, those are our consensus favorites. And uh, w- with that, we'll go to the champion. I think it's an easy question. Is this the year that Wisconsin, if, if they get there, is this the year that Wisconsin pulls off that upset? We talked about this a little bit um, <laughs> earlier, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago. I, I still have doubts whether Wisconsin would go ahead and take down Ohio State, but I don't really think anybody in the conference is taking them down. Once maybe Justin Fields is gone and there's a question at quarterback, maybe it's a different story. But for right now, I would still stick, if I was putting down money on Ohio State, um, even though I hate that. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Uh until, you know, similar wavelength of my thinking is until someone uh, proves me wrong and, and knocks off Ohio State or Wisconsin in the divisions, uh, it's going to be, you know, until someone knocks off Ohio State, I'm going to roll with them. And it, it pains me to say it. It sucks to say it. But um, who knows? I, I just don't see I don't see it happening. And until I see it, I, I have to go with my gut there. And if, if there's a way to do it, you know, it, it might be their defense. I know there's some. Uh, you know, some talent off of that defense. They, the running, but these guys are recruiting so well that although there might be faces that we don't know and, and names that we don't know quite yet, we'll get to know them, I'm sure, very soon. So uh, I think Ohio State is going to be your champion, and uh, I see them get into the playoff. Uh, but I don't see them, uh, you know, I, I would see the, right now them getting knocked off by a Clemson or an Alabama. I don't know if there's a skeptical part of me uh, on them. It is on the defensive side of the football. And, and teams like that can compete with that. So I, I think Ohio State will be in there, but uh, I don't know if I see them uh, making it much further than that. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It, I would say that there is a – I think that if Ohio State doesn't win the East, the chances of Wisconsin winning the Big Ten Championship exponentially fly up because yeah. I think the Badgers can beat um, Penn State, Michigan, um, I way more times out of 10 than they're going to take down uh, Ohio State, which I think is, is at much lower odds. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I, I think you're right on the, the wavelength uh, that way. So, All right, well, that wraps up our predictions. Now we'll go through – we're going to do this every week where we're going to go through the, the slate of conference games and, and pick our winners uh, who we think we's go, who is going to win each contest uh, in the Big Ten. So. We both picked Wisconsin already on our last podcast. I think that's kind of obvious. So we'll go on. Uh, we'll start with the who we think is going to be the conference champion. Uh, who do you have winning between Nebraska and Ohio State? Oh, I think Ohio State is absolutely going to take them to the woodshed. I don't think it's going to even be close. I think Ohio State needs to put up some sexy numbers in order to keep pace with what Clemson's doing and what Alabama's doing. Um, and that's going to mean putting up points, and they're going to do it to Nebraska in my eyes. Nebraska just doesn't have the defense yet to uh, to hang with them. Yeah, I'm glad the Buckeyes and uh, Cornhuskers were friends all off season, but I'm guessing that uh, ends here in a in a big bloodbath uh, with Ohio State uh, taking it to them to open the season. I'm after, especially after last year's performance, everyone was hyped about Nebraska coming into that game. Uh, I am not buying that. Uh, and, and not drinking that Kool-Aid again this year. I think Ohio State rolls in their opener. Next one, Rutgers and Michigan State, two teams that I am not um, very high on, but I, I think it's going to be a, take a lot for Michigan State to, to even fall that low. So maybe if we're talking the spread, I, I might look at Rutgers at 13.5, but straight up, I'm going to take the Spartans. Uh, how about yourself? I'll go with the Spartans, but I think it's going to be closer than what people think. Just because uh, I I honestly think that Greg Schiano can fire that team up and, and get them. They don't have the talent to hang with Michigan State. At least they shouldn't on paper. But I, I think who really knows what we're going to see out of Michigan State or Rutgers going into it. Yeah, I think you make a, a great point. Where if there's a, if there's a game where Rutgers could, uh, I think maybe they could contend with the Maryland game, um, and and maybe they could uh, hang around here with Michigan State. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, 11 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Uh, moving on down here, Iowa and Purdue. Kind of an intriguing one, Purdue at home um, as a three-point dog. Who are you taking in that uh, Big Ten West matchup? 
Yeah, I think that's actually going to be a really good game. I think it's kind of under the radar. Not any, Nobody's really talking about it because the, the night game of Michigan kind of gets the headlines as well as the Indiana-Penn State game. But, but I really think I'm going to go with Iowa, but that's riding on the fact that they're going to have their head coach for it, whereas uh, Jeff Brom is not going to be there for Purdue. I know he's trying to get uh, the ability to call into the press box or something right now, but I, uh, I'm going to run with Iowa. Both teams have some question marks at quarterback, but have some good wide receivers. I, I'm not sold on Purdue's defense, whereas I have more faith in Iowa's, so I'm going to go with Iowa. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to to pick against Iowa in this spot, and, and it's for the reason you mentioned, Jeff Rahm not being there. I think Purdue will, if if they're going to win, they're going to put up points and, and do it. Uh, you know, if they come out and, and really start slinging the ball around and, and the quarterback questions kind of get answered, I can see them pulling off this upset. But for right now, I think the secondary for Iowa is still pretty strong. Um, and, you know, Rondale Moore will certainly help that, but they've got to be able to get his, the, the ball in his hand. So going to be a tight one I, I i might look again you know we're, we're talking straight up winners here um if you were looking at the spread i might look at purdue as a three-point home dog but again the the home field advantage isn't isn't really there with no fans so i think that helps iowa's case so i'm gonna take the hawkeyes in that one yeah i we'll see though just my only thing is who knows how everything will play out given the tumultuous offseason that Iowa's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just keeps going on and on here because now there's the lawsuits uh, rolling. Um, that might trickle in, and, and maybe Purdue gets a shot in the arm because of it. But um, I think the the good money is to go with Iowa here, but, but really Purdue could make things interesting. All right, the other 230 game, another intriguing one, Penn State and Indiana. Who do you have in this Big Ten East matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to give the benefit of the doubt to Penn State here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. But I do think that Indiana will keep it close, and that it's it's gonna be a game where you're looking at it late in the third quarter and thinking, oh, okay, this is this is a good game, um, and then maybe Penn State pulls away to win by ten, you know, sixteen points or something like that. I gotta put my money where my mouth is here. Um, I'm gonna take Indiana in this one. I've been high on them. I, I said that. You know, I was looking at Penn State last year. They won a lot of, of one-possession games in my eyes. They got a lot of uh, uh, turnovers that really helped them in, in good field position. I was really doing a deep dive uh, into Penn State, and I, I just looked at their record last year and thought, man, if a couple bounces a couple different ways, they could not have been um, a luckier team in my eyes. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick to my guns here. I'm going to take Indiana in that one. Um, I love it. Shoot your shot, man. Yeah, got to take it and get out of it or get out there early. So um, our next one, Maryland, Northwestern. I, I think everyone's kind of expecting a little bit of a bounce back from Northwestern. And Maryland, it looks like the, the cupboards are a little bare. So who do you have as the uh, the, the game in Evanston? I, I'm going to go with Northwestern here. I, I trust them more than what I trust with Maryland. Maryland. They've got an or at quarterback. That's never usually a great sign of trust in who you've got there. And they might roll with a two-quarterback system. So for now, I'm going to roll with uh, Northwestern. I think that they're going to have a nice bounce back year. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Pat Fitzgerald at home, you expect them to improve. He's a good coach. Um, so I'm going to take uh, the Wildcats there as well. I'm just not very sold on Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins, especially in this season. I, I'm not sure how invested some of these teams are in this eight-game season. I think late in the year, as teams' you know, goals start to fall by the wayside, that you might see just some ugly football um, going. So I'm going to take Northwestern here as well, and that will lead us to our final game, uh, 6.30 on ABC, Michigan and Minnesota. Who do you have in that intriguing cross-division matchup? This is complete uh, flip of a coin for me. I think if this was... With with a lot of fans in attendance, I think Minnesota in a landslide, not necessarily in a blowout, but I would definitely put the money down on Minnesota with the with game day and all, all that. Um, you know that they're going to be pumped for having all that publicity. I know PJ will, but um, I, I think I'm going to go with Minnesota as much as it pains me. I really don't hope. I wish both these teams could lose in this one, but I'll go with Minnesota. I am actually gonna, and this is kind of 
it's it sounds bad, but it's kind of a COVID play. Uh, it sounds, and, and this could be some gamesmanship from PJ Flex. So um, I actually already bet Michigan because I I think there's some numbers. Um, PJ Fleck would not allude to it, and he could be greatly exaggerating it, but where they might have some guys out. So I'm going to go ahead and Michigan in this one. I like their secondary to maybe uh, hold Rashad Bateman in check, and if they can figure it out, it's going to come down to the Michigan offense, I think, and, and where they're at. But for right now, I'm going to go ahead and, and take the Wolverines. So we got a couple games that were we're different on. We'll I'll make sure to write these down and, and keep them yeah, back. Yeah, we'll, so we'll revisit them. Track of it. So. For sure. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep track of that all season long. It'll be a fun little exercise uh, as we roll into Big Ten play. So um, that wraps up our portion of the episode. Uh, we're, we're now going to go and we'll get it to our quick ad reads here. We'll get those out of the way. And then we've got a really interesting interview uh, with Pick 6 Previews. Again, if you guys haven't looked at it before, make sure to go check uh, him out. It's a really informative uh, magazine on college football. So go ahead and look over that. Stick with us through our ad reads, and we'll be back with you shortly. All right, Badger fans, we are now um, working with a good friend, Brett Ciancia, of the Pick 6 Previews, one of the best publications out there for your football fix. Um, He absolutely does amazing work. He's been doing it since 2012. Um, First off, Brett, thanks for coming. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. Um, You know, this is uh, is Big Ten kickoff weekend. Felt like it would never get here. I'm so excited to have it back. Uh, The season, it's been fun without the Big Ten, but still, you can tell something's missing. So it'll be great on Saturday, actually Friday night for you guys um, having the Big Ten live. So I'm, I'm thrilled, and I know you guys are too. Yeah, absolutely stoked about it. Um, before we get to talking about the Big Ten, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your publication and, and preview what you're doing. You started this in 2012. Um, kind of talk us through um, how you got to where you are now. Um, which is to the point where you are a Heisman voter and one of the bigger publications out there previewing um, really teams all across college football. Yeah, thanks. So, um, you know, college football has always been a passion of mine. I'm a college football guy. Um, And, you know, I used to read all the preseason magazines on newsstands, and I thought that they they did some good work. But, um, you know, deep down I really wanted to do my own thing. Um, You know, what also fueled the fire is seeing some of these national guys. You see them on TV. They – you know, some of them are great, but, uh, you know, a lot of them just focus on the Ohio States and the Alabamas. And I mean, if you watch a couple minutes of it, you can see that some of these facts are wrong and just inconsistent. So long story short, I felt that the college football fan would really appreciate a deep dive on all 65 of these programs. Um, because unlike the NFL, where you have 32 programs, uh, they're all pretty much the same except for that helmet decal. In college, these are all unique brands and unique programs with different schemes and some crazy offenses, crazy defenses, recruiting strategy, the regionality of it, uh, 100 years old uh, rivalries and in-state rivalries. It just has its own feel. So, um, yeah, so in 2012, I launched Pick 6 Previews as a college football preview website. Uh, our first seven seasons were graded the most accurate in the country. And uh, that's not just me saying it like a marketer. It's uh, Stassen.com has been grading these uh, publications for decades. So head-to-head with the best, we beat them. Uh, last year, 2019, is my first PDF book I put together, uh, you know, 160 pages, two pages per team, um, a mix of my analytics, my numbers, my game grader, plus putting it back into readable terms, looking at X's and O's, the whole bit. So uh, after the 2019 guide went out, I was selected to become a Heisman voter. So uh, ultimate credential there, and here we are, 2020, and uh, I'm just so excited that we have a season. Yeah, I mean, you do tremendous stuff. Um, I know I love reading it. I know Tyler does as well. Um, kind of speaking of your work, how many hours are you putting into this publication? And, and really, how does your process unfold? When do you start prepping for the following season? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, it's, it's a ton of hours. It's, it's, it's an insane amount of time, um, but I'm pretty dedicated to it. It's a passion. I want to be the best, and um, you know, I'm pretty confident with the product I put out there. So. Yeah, again, it's a one-man show. So you have some of these other magazines, uh, they do good work, but they have one writer per team. They have 130 writers, 130 teams. So uh, I wanted to d- dive into all of these programs myself and really you know, dig into the details. I'm listening to uh, local radios, local podcasts to really get a program feel. I'm watching spring games. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if red beats white, but you want to see these early enrollee freshmen. You want to see new coordinators with new schemes and, 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 and the whole bit. So spring games. 
Uh, calls with coaches, calls with coordinators are huge for me. Um, and then watching a ton of film and then running my numbers. So I think it's a, it's got to have a balance between the numbers. You see some analytics guys are great, but might stay a little bit too much in the numbers. Got to mix the numbers with the actual film. So I, I feel like I find that blend uh, well. And to your question about when the process starts, it really starts during this season, during the previous season. Um, every fall Saturday, I line up my four TV screens for 12 hours, 14 hours, you know, from noon till two in the morning with the Pac-12 wrapping up. Um, you know, four screens, my laptops, everything. So uh, I've got Twitter rolling every day of the year. Um, and then on Sundays, you know, I run all my numbers, I get those box scores in, look at the upcoming week, projected lines, that kind of thing. Um, throughout the week, I'm on radio shows across the country doing uh, articles and writing stuff across the country, and then we do it again on Saturday. So uh, and then in December, the process really starts for that next year's book. But I say it starts during the season because, I mean, you got to watch these teams. you got to dig in every single Saturday. I love it. I love every minute of the season. Oh, yeah, I'm obviously a huge proponent of the multi-TV setup, um, and, and obviously Twitter has changed a lot of what um, people can get, instant information. But um, do you have any allegiances to a team? Like, obviously, you went into it, you probably have some team that you fell in love with, or, or is it more about just the total breadth of everything? Well, you know, I, I'd say my, uh, my alma mater is Boston College. So, I mean, I'm here for the Eagles. Uh, the, the great thing about that allegiance is that, um, you know, on all these radios and podcasts I go on, PC's not really a threat. I mean, I, you know, I love our Eagles. They actually are playing pretty well this year. But, uh, you know, it's not like I'm an Alabama or an Ohio State grad and you start to hear all that. But, yeah, I'm a Boston College alum. Um, that's really the allegiance there, the extent of it. And, um, you know, the, the, the funny answer is my favorite team every week is who I have picked because, you know, doing this thing for eight, eight years now, uh, you almost put your reputation on the line each season with some bold playoff picks, with some uh, week-to-week upsets. So if I, uh, if I lay my reputation out for a team or a program that week or that season, you know I'm a fan that year. Uh, so, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the funny part. But you start to find little bonds with these teams year-to-year, week-to-week. So you might be wearing a Boston College shirt when it comes to um, when they're playing Clemson, but you're still hoping Clemson wins uh, deep down through your pick. Wow, oh, I don't want to get caught saying that to my BC you know, <laughs> alumni and, and friends out there, but um, but no, it, it's crazy. Um, so an example last year was um, was Utah. I I picked them to actually make the playoff. A lot of guys, most publications didn't even have them in the top 15. Uh, I love their defense, and they were very veteran at the skill positions. Um, and love the new coordinator hire. So I, I put a lot at stake with that pick. I got ridiculed all summer about it. Um, and then, you know what, once once the season gets kicked off, I'm the biggest Utah fan out there, right? So um, so that was that was a fun ride. Utah made it all the way to that final Saturday. If you remember, they were a win and in away from uh, making the playoff. They had they beaten Oregon. And, uh, you know, I was getting so many uh, Utah followers, Utah radio hits. It was a fun ride. But, um, yeah, that's the kind of thing. I mean, it's year to year. Uh, it's week to week. If I call for an upset that's, you know, 14-point upset, they better hit. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah, it, it's fun. So you talked about it, and sorry, guys, I'm, I'm back in here. My internet cut out, so props to Matt, or uh, for Matt to handling that as I worked my way back in. But uh, I'm hopping back in here for the rest of the interview. Uh, what has been kind of the biggest challenge? I know COVID has been made um, this season and everything in the world a little weird, but. Has there been a challenge for you this year compared to other years in doing the publications, and, and what might that bigger challenge have been? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's been an odd year for everybody uh, involved, obviously. But uh, from a preseason publications point of view, yeah, a couple things. One was the spring games. Um, I mentioned that was a main piece that goes into my, my preview logic, my research. Um, and, again, it might sound silly. People laugh at spring games, but, for my for my shoes, I need that. It's a it's a valuable tool. I get to see new new faces on the roster, new freshmen, uh, see how the new schemes are looking, seeing if the quarterback has developed year over year, that kind of thing. And the announcers on the spring games have done their research too to be able to talk about one team for an hour and a half or two hours. It's 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 actually very very insightful. So I watch every spring game I can get. This year, obviously, all the spring games were canceled. Most of the spring practices were canceled too. So that takes out some practice notes. Um, you know, my calls with coaches and coordinators. They were more uh, abstract about schemes and stuff they want to install, but really not much about what they did install since there wasn't much spring to, to have installed it at. So, um, yeah, so from a preview perspective, losing spring games hurt. I had to fly a little blindly. 
uh, based off their recent track records, uh, looking at programs that had staff continuity, coach continuity, right, um, and quarterback continuity because that's all, you know, it, it, it would be hard to install a new scheme without an offseason. So uh, those were some of the obstacles I had to do. Uh, another thing was just the uncertainty of the whole season in general. Uh, you know, we're sitting here in May and June, and it's going on and on. We don't have an end in sight yet. I'm wondering, is there even going to be a season? So you're going to put on the gas to get this thing uh, complete and published because the worst thing would have been an 85% complete book, uh, and then the season gets canceled, and it's just, uh, you know, half a year's worth of work wasted. So um, not that that's any, you know, obviously safety first and all those things. I'm just talking from a review publication's point of view. Um, and then lastly, one real quick one was um, – as they started, to, as the conferences started to announce uh, going conference only and cutting out certain games or adding games, that whole circus of scheduling, I was considering putting out a revision or a, you know an, an addendum to really update my picks and my schedule graphics and everything. So I was I hunkered down for a whole weekend. I started doing it, and then 72 hours later, the Big Ten announces the season's canceled. So uh, not to bring up bad memories, but at that point I was like, you know what, we're sticking with the June release. That's done. It's been published. It's out there, and now uh, we're riding with that June book. So weird year, and I'm just I'm just glad we have some football. And uh, you know, on the positive side, it's been mostly safe. Uh, I think a lot of the national guys all summer on Twitter, you saw them saying how it's going to be doomsday, how everything's going to get canceled. There's going to be breakouts at 30 schools and, and teams. So far, you know, they want to highlight the one or two that gets canceled a week. I see 90% that are being played, and I see 95% of teams that are healthy. Um, you know, I try and take the positive angle. I know Florida is the one example of a big team breakout, but um, in general, it's been pretty safe, and, and that's very encouraging. Oh, for sure. And I know in your research you had to have come across Wisconsin. So before we get to the overall complexion of the Big Ten, what do you make of the 2020 version of Wisconsin? Yeah, so I think to talk 2020, I need to put it in context with the 18 and 19. So with 2018, they took a step back. Uh, this was a rare uh, glitch. It was, uh, you know, just an eight-win season after a, a bunch of double-digit win seasons in a row. Uh, the defense, you know, it, it had been perfect under Dave Aranda and Wilcox in the first year of Jim Leonard. takes a step back. So you're wondering, is this the start of a downturn for Wisconsin? Um, so I might have missed my 19 prediction. I thought that maybe some of those problems would linger into 19. And it turns out the 19 team proved that 18 was a fluke. And, uh, you know, just a, a one-year outlier. So I think, long story short, Wisconsin established that they're still Wisconsin. Uh, they're still the cream of the crop in the Big Ten West. Since the Big Ten West, or since the Big Ten expanded in 2014, Wisconsin's 30-6 and six against the Big Ten West, winning the title four of six years. I mean, that, that's super dominant, you know, 80-something percent win percentage. The issue with Wisconsin is once they venture out of the West against those Big Ten East elites, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, just two and nine, and zero oh and four in the Big Ten title. So, you know, in a sense, with Wisconsin, I think I know what we have with them. I think they're going to dominate the Big Ten West. They're going to get their uh, their nine, ten, eleven wins, and then I think they're still a notch below the Ohio States of the world. Yeah, we we were doing our Big Ten predictions before that, and we kind of had the same thing. Where it's just like year after year, we we kind of have the feeling of what we're going to get, and we we hope it changes as Badger fans, but. Uh, it seems to be the same thing on repeat, but uh, it's better than, than some other programs in the conference. And and speaking of the conference, of course, the Big Ten is back. Everyone's excited about that. I think it'll make the Saturdays feel much more complete as a, as a, a fan of a team in the conference and, and everything like that. But what are your thoughts on the conference this year overall? Because I know um, sometimes it, it's top-heavy, sometimes it's even, sometimes there's uh, – you know, Ohio State and everybody else. So what do you make of, of kind of the disparity between uh, the, the entire conference? Yeah, and and, uh, and to my last answer, I don't want to take that as a knock at Wisconsin because I go on shows on, on all kinds of programs, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, and uh, it's the same answer that it is Ohio State and then a big drop-off. It's not even a Wisconsin problem. It's a it's an entire Big Ten problem. Who can catch up to Big Ten – or who can catch up to Ohio State because uh, they pretty much built a machine. I mean, they're on their own recruiting tier – uh, bringing in five stars at every position. And for, if there was going to be a transition, um, you know, uh, a step back in a transition from Urban Meyer out to the new staff, that hasn't happened. Ryan Day has really just kept this thing rolling offensively. They almost unlocked a new gear now, opening up the, opening up the playbook a bit and, and airing it out more than 
um, Urban Meyer, who was, you know, quarterback run heavy. So, yeah, in a big picture, I think it's still Ohio State's league. From there, though, I see a big block of teams um, that I think should be ranked anywhere from 10 to 25th uh, that could all finish second in the conference overall, you know, in power rankings, but uh, have, have a shot to be playing on that, um, to be playing Ohio State. I mean, look at Wisconsin, uh, Penn State's right there. Michigan, if they can figure out some kind of offense and get maybe the quarterback position shored up, is right there as well. Then you have back in the West, Minnesota and Iowa. Um, you know, with Minnesota, I think their offense is pretty proven. They have 10 starters back. Tanner Morgan's super efficient. But I think the question for them is their defense. They lose a lot of third-year starters, and some of those guys are very, uh, you know, veteran starters last year. They're all gone. Lose that offensive coordinator as well. So I think it's definitely Wisconsin in the West. Uh, a notch below would be the Minnesota-Iowa pack. Um, but, no, I think it's a talented conference. I think also you have some programs emerging that hadn't you know, been competitive recently with Indiana. That's pick six previews history. The first time I have Indiana cracking my top four in the Big Ten East. And, um, the, the hype is real. I mean, so, you know, you can find positives in a lot of these programs. I think the coaching hires have been excellent, and you're starting to see those dividends pay off. You know, each year there's generally a team that goes ahead and surprises. Um, like you had said, talking about Indiana a little bit there. And there's usually a team that's going to disappoint and, and kind of pops pops down the, uh, below expectations. Um, which teams might fit that bill in the conference this year? Yeah, so I think Indiana would be my, my team to surprise. And I think the people that follow the Big Ten closely might not be surprised by that. I'm thinking on a national scale. The average national college football fan doesn't know anything about Indiana football um, and then doesn't think they're anywhere near the top 25. I saw the AP poll. Uh, they only had four receiving votes or something like that. And, uh, but, hey, the, the real where the, where the real value talk is at Vegas, and they're only six-and-a-half-point dogs against um, Penn State, who's top ten. So uh, I think that the public might be missing on Indiana. Uh, I had a chance to speak with their head coach, Tom Allen, in the preseason. Uh, just love what they've installed on defense, that four-two-five scheme. Uh, and then also on offense, playmakers galore. It's just a matter if Michael Penix can stay healthy. He's been injury prone, has shown a high ceiling, but he's injury prone. And, and they lose that, uh, that, that safety blanket quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, who's now transferring to Northwestern. So um, Indiana, definitely a sleeper. Should be a top 25 team. I think people will start to catch on. Uh, a team that could disappoint, I'm starting to wonder about Penn State, to be honest. Um, you know, I have them. Number two in the Big Ten East, I have them top ten overall, and this was back in June when I thought I had a full roster. What's happened since then is their best player, Micah Parsons, has opted out for the pros. He's this, uh, you know, this freak athlete, defensive end, linebacker. Uh, I saw, I used to see him thrive at the high school level. I'm based out of Pennsylvania. He, he dominated PA at Harrisburg High as a running back and a defender. So you lose him, just a generational talent. Also, I, I hear reports that Journey Brown, their star running back, might be out. So uh, you're starting to uh, key pieces of that prediction. Another trend we saw from uh, programs that have switched coordinators or switched, switched schemes so far in this weird year have come out flat. And uh, that's not just a Penn State thing. That is across the college football landscape so far. It's a trend we're tracking. So I wonder if all of those things combine. And then one more thing with Penn State, you look at their record last year. Yeah, I mean, um, double-digit wins, 11 wins, a bowl win in, in the New Year Six. But when you look at it, uh, Pittsburgh was a one-score game, Iowa one-score game, Michigan one-score, Indiana one-score. So a lot of these, you know, my game grader formula doesn't love Penn State. They actually graded fifth in the conference last year out of 14. So that might be a house of cards, Penn State. They might fall out, lose some games, and and uh, and, and drop from where the preseason hasn't. I love to hear you say that because we did our uh, preseason predictions in the front half of the show before that. And and I was high on Indiana, and I was uh, selling on Penn State uh, for kind of the same reason. So there we go. That's why yep. you read the publication because you get the, that insider info, uh, and you can uh, kind of read up on these teams uh, from from a good source, and and uh, hopefully know what you're talking about. But yeah, I was uh, totally agree with you uh, on that facet, and uh, I think that's all the reassurance I need to maybe sprinkle a little money on Indiana plus six and a half this weekend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good mind, good uh, minds think alike, man. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get it. We wanted to ask you uh, to kind of round things out. Right now you've got, uh, I think we, we know where in terms of uh, the, the players, uh, you know, in terms of the teams that we think will, will probably be there, it sounds like it's going to be Ohio State, you know, Wisconsin in the West, and maybe Wisconsin can get over that hump. We'll see. 
But who are some maybe we're, – we'll talk, we'll talk about some players. Justin Fields is, I think, your star of the conference. We've got Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman. Um, they've got some star power. But who are maybe a couple off-the-radar names that uh, Big Ten fans should maybe be looking for uh, as the season comes to uh, to the end? Yeah, those, those are some great names right away, and it's great that they both opted in. It was, uh, you know, it was a tough time seeing all these star players start opting out, and those were two guys, the receivers, Bateman and Moore, that came back. So that's just great for the conference. Um, yeah, so I think a tight end, you have a true star with Pat Fryer with the Penn State. This is a guy, I had him second team All-American preseason, a tight end, and I think he led the nation in touchdown receptions for a tight end last year, and he's going to get a lot more the way they air it out with this new uh, coordinator from Minnesota. So I like him. Uh, look at Ohio State's offensive line, littered with All-American caliber guys, Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis, uh, Thayer Munford. Uh, you guys know about offensive linemen, too. Cole Van Lannan, he should be an all-big tenor. Uh, you know, Jake Ferguson can argue in the tight end discussion from Wisconsin. Um, what else? Uh, you know, Wandale Robinson's kind of a do-it-all from Nebraska. Uh, I, I mentioned Tanner Morgan. He's super efficient with the ball. And look at their running back, Mo Ibrahim, too. Uh, he just, he's an angry runner, that guy, and he's just, uh, he always grinds some yards. Uh, flipping the defense real quick, look at Wisconsin's secondary. I actually graded Wisconsin's DBs number one in the Big Ten. Um, and for reference, that's the only category that Ohio State didn't finish first. So, uh, you took that claim from them. Uh, just loaded with guys. Uh, with Micah Parsons out, probably the MVP on defense. It, it could be George Karlaftis from Purdue, this pass rusher. Shaka Tony, another pass rusher from Penn State. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the secondary Wisconsin and the Wisconsin defense overall. I think nine or ten starters are back. And, um, you know, just their track record there with Jim Leonard's unbelievable. So look for that to be one of the more complete units of the, in the conference. Well, as Badger fans and uh, podcasters, we love to hear that. I think it will be uh, exciting to finally see uh, not only the Badgers back in action Friday night, but the Big Ten Conference throughout the weekend. So, uh, Brett, we appreciate it uh, very much for taking the time uh, to join us today. Uh, like I said, we, we love the publication, big fans and, and Badger fans that are listening to this. If you're looking for uh, a read-up so you can get uh, some edges on things like uh, I've got here with Indiana and Penn State, make sure to go check uh, Brett out at Pick 6 Previews. Uh, maybe purchase that uh, publication. I'm sure it helps make the work a little easier when you're uh, you're getting paid uh, some some money for that valuable info. So make sure to check that out. And, Brett, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me. And uh, like I said, it's great to have the big – you guys kick it off Friday night and uh, avenge that 30-point upset last year. I, you know, there's no way you over, overstep Illinois this year. I think they're going to smack them. So uh, great to have the Big Ten back, great to have Wisconsin back, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. All right, Badger fans, well, that rounds out our third episode of the week. So enjoy uh, the Big Ten back being back. Hopefully we'll be back with you on Monday with uh, happy tones in our voice. I know – Last year, after the Illinois loss, we were pretty somber, so we hope that changes. But either way, we'll be back with you next week, and as always, on Wisconsin. Wisconsin.